Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Seeds and Weeds podcast, brought to you by Small House Farm. If you're looking to celebrate plants and the people that love them, then this is the podcast for you. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Bevan Cohen. Welcome back to the show. We got something extra fun planned for today. We're going to be chatting with Erica Kempter and Mike Levine. Now, these two are the co-owners of Nature and Nurture Seeds, which is a Michigan-based seed company. And it's one of my favorite places to buy heirloom seeds. Uh, In fact, Nature and Nurture Seeds was even on my top 10 favorite seed company list that we posted over on our Patreon a while back. If you haven't seen the list, go check it out. You don't have to be a subscriber or anything to see the list. And there's a bunch of other cool things that you get to see that we're posting on our Patreon. Of course, if you do want to subscribe, you get access to exclusive content, plus you get free books, seeds, small house products, and lots of other groovy things. Plus, you're helping us keep the podcast up and running, and we would certainly appreciate that. The links are down in the show notes, and you can also find our Patreon at seedsandweedspodcast.com. I'm excited to be chatting with Eric and Mike today. And We talked about their seed company. We're going to cover why growing regional seeds is important and some of their favorite varieties that they're offering this year. And then after the interview, we played a garden dating game just so we could see how well Erica and Mike know each other in the garden. Here at Small House, we recently launched a Seeds and Weeds Facebook group, which I thought would be a fun way to connect with our listeners, give us all a forum to uh, talk about our plant adventures. Man, it's been a blast. We had a few hundred people join just within the first couple of days after launching this thing, so that was pretty cool. I'll drop that link down in the show notes for you, too. In the group, everyone was sharing some of their first spring greens that are just starting to pop up. And of course, we started talking about dandelions. I mean, dandelions is one of my favorite weeds. Uh, it's even part of the logo for the podcast here. Folks were sharing some of their favorite recipes for using dandelions in the kitchen, and I got pretty excited about some of them. Megan Thorne showed off some dandelion root coffee and dandelion leaf pesto, which just kind of goes to show how awesome dandelions are. You can use the whole plant, but she also shared a dandelion flowers bread that, I mean, just looked incredible. She was kind enough to post the link to the recipe in the group. So uh, I'm definitely going to be giving that a try this spring. And then Terry Lambert, he shared a picture of some battered and fried dandelion blossoms. I mean, you can't go wrong with fried anything really, but these things look so good. Uh, He was frying dandelion and clover flowers. All right, well, now I'm getting hungry. So uh, we better just get moving along. Let's get on to the interview. Erica Kempter and Mike Levine are co-owners of Nature and Nurture Seeds, an Ann Arbor, Michigan-based company. Erica has been farming and gardening for nearly 30 years. She's an educator, food justice advocate, seed steward, and plant breeder. Mike has been obsessed with edible plants for his entire adult life. He's worked in the garden, farming, and ecological restoration fields since 1992. Together, they are Nature and Nurture Seeds, and they're joining us on the podcast for a surprise garden dating game. Erica and Mike, thank you so much for being on the show with us today. I am really excited to have you guys here. Yeah, thanks for having us. Awesome. Now, you two are the co-owners of Nature and Nurture Seeds, which is a Michigan-based seed company. And I have to say, it's one of my favorite seed companies. But let's start with Erica here. Erica, can you tell us a little bit more about your background and history uh, kind of leading up to you opening the seed company? Yeah, I was uh, years ago, I was at University of Michigan. I was really interested in um, sustainability and kind of social justice and feeding people. And I just couldn't figure out what I wanted to do. And I just uh, really fell in love with organic farming. And so I actually went out to California and went to UC Santa Cruz and did their organic farming program there. And then I came back to Michigan. And uh, but I had always I'd been I'm a lover of tomatoes. So I started growing tomatoes years ago and started breeding tomatoes like 20 years ago and um, really fell in love with them and um, got inspired to do like 
tomato breeding and then start looking at what were the seeds that were like grown here in Michigan, you know, um, ever, you know, since the hybrids came out, like there's just no regional seeds anymore. And so how could we like reestablish that like regional seed thing in the Great Lakes region and upper Midwest? Um, so we just started, I started researching old varieties and, um, and then also just figuring out what grows really well here and how can we, we share that knowledge and that fun with other people. That's awesome. All right, Mike, same question for you, man. Tell us a little bit about your background. What led you up to the seed company? Yeah, well, um, I graduated from the U of M School of Natural Resources and Environment, and mostly I studied terrestrial ecosystems management, even though my focus was resource policy and behavior. And um, after school, uh, my first job was in ecological restoration, working for Ann Arbor City Parks, but they focused a lot on herbicides and so I, even though I really enjoyed the job, I didn't want to spray herbicides. So I left there, started working at Project Grow Community Gardens, which is like a local organization where you can rent a plot if you don't have a good gardening space. And also started working on some organic farms. And I realized that, you know, food was definitely the area that I wanted to be in, in order to help the world and make, make the world a better place. So after various jobs and some travel and working at a nursery, I met Erica. We uh, started Nature and Nurture. Well, actually, she hired me to do gardening for her business, Erica's Natural Gardening. And then after a year, uh, we started Nature and Nurture. And the idea was to do more creative and interesting stuff like using native plants, vegetable gardens, fruit trees, that kind of thing in, in landscapes. And we both really wanted a farm. And so the goal has always been to buy a farm. And so in December of 2013, we were finally able to do that. And then we uh, were trying to decide what to do with our limited resources once we had the farm and you know what kind of a business we wanted to start. We knew we didn't necessarily want to just do produce. Um, we felt like our both of our backgrounds would lead us to something you know a little more, I don't know, just more com complicated than just growing produce. So um, we were kind, kind of trying to decide between a seed company and a mushroom business because we've already, we've been growing shiitake mushrooms for uh, 20, almost 25 years now. Something we know well and the chefs around here enjoy them. But we looked at it and we realized that there was more potential growth in a seed company. And so we went that route. And so um, we still have our landscaping business and we do all kinds of other things here on the farm. Like we have a fruit nursery and uh, a homestead orchard and uh, there's children's programs here at the farm and lots of events and oh, just tons of tons of things here at the farm. So to say that you guys are busy would be an understatement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would say we wear about 10 hats. That's amazing. So how long has the, the Nature and Nurture Seed Company itself been in business? We started in 2013. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. So Erica, you had mentioned, um, you said regional seeds, and I'd like to explore that idea a little bit more. Um, so first off, what do you mean by regional seeds and why should gardeners care about growing regional seeds? When I started gardening in my early twenties, I'd open these gorgeous seed catalogs and I would not know what would grow here. Or I would grow, you know, a, a pepper and it wouldn't finish in time before the frost came in the fall, or it wasn't very resistant to the local diseases that we had here, but especially the the seasonality the um what could be grown here in our various seasons and so that's a lot of a regional adaptation means that we know that it will grow well here um and it also can handle the our, in our climate here michigan has a really extreme climate with um strong you know cold winters and wet humid summers and very short springs and falls. So it's harder to grow some of the, you know, the greens that you might be able to grow in areas where I have longer spring and falls. But we do a lot of trialing for, you know, seeds that can handle, you know, like lettuces that can handle really hot summers and, um, 
handle the, the climate here. Okay. Okay. I dig that. So if I was from outside of the region, um, obviously these regional seeds are going to perform well for me here in Michigan. But if I was a, somebody that was listening in from outside of the region, would your seeds still grow well for me where I happen to live? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I think especially that just in the whole North, you know, anywhere from zone five, you know, four, five, six um, are ideal sevens. They're going to do great. Um, even we got lots of people who order seeds from us and um, from, you know, the South and Florida and Texas and grow our, our, our seeds in the um, in the wintertime. Um, lots of people from Oregon grow our seeds. So, yeah, they can be grown all over. Um, but it helps, you know, for people who are in the north or in the upper Midwest to kind of narrow in what can I even try, especially for new gardeners. A lot of times, um, you know, new gardeners start out and they're like, oh, I was a failure. And, I, you know, I think one of the lessons of farming and gardening is that every year you're going to have some things that are failures, but you have to focus on your successes. And then over time, when you when you do it more and more, um, you can have more success. And we so we're trying to offer people knowledge and the information to be able to be successful right off the bat and the right seed. So then these regional seeds, that's kind of given uh, me a head start a little bit to be a little bit more successful in my garden. Yeah. I love it. Now let's explore the name Nature and Nurture Seeds. That's a pretty unique name for a seed company. Um, how did that come to be? <laughs> I guess I can answer that. Um, so that was originally the name of our seed, uh, sorry, of our landscaping company. Our, our The umbrella organization is Nature and Nurture LLC. And the idea behind the name originally was that in order to successfully grow stuff, that it's not nature or nurture. It's not nature versus nurture. It's nature and nurture. It's, you know, it's going to be half environment, half genetics. And so that's kind of the name that we had. And then when we wanted to start the seed company, we were actually at the Organic Seed Alliance conference and we were really struggling with the name and uh, our friend's um, Andrew and Sarah at uh, Adaptive Seeds were like, why are you guys struggling so hard to come up with a name? You you already have the perfect name for, for a seed company. And we thought about it for a little while and realized that they were right. So we just added seeds to the end and that's how, that's how it is. But yeah, a lot of people try to figure out like, well, who's nurture and who's nature? And they're just missing the point, you know? So now, as you guys know, I'm a big fan of the Nature and Nurture Seed Company for sure. Uh, I happen to know that the owners are great people, uh, but you also offer high quality seeds. So for the listeners that may be learning about you guys for the very first time, can you tell us why nature and nurture seeds should be their choice for their high quality garden seeds? So we germination test all of our seeds um, and we have really high standards for germination. So, um, and then we also, when we trial our, our seeds, what we want are organic seeds that are used to growing in an, or an organic garden or an organic farm. And they just kind of jump out of the soil and get going. You know, you gotta, when you're growing organic, you gotta keep ahead of those weeds, right? So we have a lot of uh, fun stuff. There's a lot of educational information on our site. Each seed has like detailed growing instructions to get people um, started right on the right foot. That's awesome. So out of all the selections that you guys have this year on your website for 2023, what are some of the varieties that you are most excited about offering? Well, one of the things that we um, added this year were a couple dwarf varieties of things because there are a lot of people who just have a really small garden or are growing in pots. So one of my favorite things we added this year is called Fred's Tie-Dye Dwarf Tomato. It's out of uh, Craig LeHuyer's Dwarf Tomato Breeding Project. And um, we trialed a bunch of those tomatoes. And this is really just one of our 
real standouts. It was it's um one of its parents is a pink Berkeley tie-dye. So it has a gorgeous pink with like green, silver, kind of green stripes on it. Um, and the flavor is just a knockout. So it's um so unusual in the fact that it has this perfect like dwarf habit, so it doesn't need to be pruned. It's super easy to grow, it's very productive, and it makes these very large beefsteak tomatoes that are gorgeous and are just um, knock your socks off in terms of the flavor. Even though it's a dwarf tomato, it still produces full-size fruits? Yes, it does. It, the, the plant is a dwarf. It almost The plant almost grows like a tree, so it has a single stalk, and you just have to put like one strong stake in there to hold it up and tie that, um, And then, it, but it produces these nice big beefsteak tomatoes. Mm, that sounds awesome. How about you, Mike? What's your favorite this year? Well, I would say one thing that I'm really excited about are the, the uh, Super Snacks tomatoes that Erica has been breeding, uh, as well as my own West Malaysian hot pepper, which is uh, it's unique to, to nature and nurture because it's two different West Malaysian peppers that introgressed uh, that uh, I've been growing for, oh, about about 30 years. And originally it was not early enough to grow in Michigan. And year after year, I would bring the peppers inside uh, to finish them off. And eventually I ended up with something that actually finishes in time in, in Michigan. So that's kind of a, uh, a favorite one that I'm really excited about. Favorite of mine throughout the years has always been our Red Hopi Dye Amaranth. I'm really excited about it. We've, we've trialed our Amaranth with uh, many different seed companies. Red Hopi Dye Amaranth and ours uh, has always been the most vigorous. We're not sure why, but we're, we're going with it. And uh, I think uh, I'm really excited about Emerald Gem Melons. I absolutely love Emerald Gem Melons. Okay, that's a lot to unpack here, Mike. Let's back up and talk about this West Malaysian pepper. How spicy is it? It's hot. It's hot. Uh, I don't use Scoville. I just kind of do a subjective like uh, out of one to, you know, one to 10. And I would say it's like a good eight. So it's a pretty hot pepper. Okay. And this is exclusive to Nature Nurture. If I want to try this pepper, I got to get it from you guys. That's right. That's right. And you may, you may find a little bit of variability within it because it's, you know, I've been growing it for a long time, but it still kind of kicks out a few random weird looking ones occasionally. But for the most part, it kind of looks like a Thai pepper. Uh, the two, the two parents of it, the, the original hybrid, one was a very short pepper that looked like a Thai bird Thai pepper. And then the other one was sort of a longer one that was almost this, like the length of a small cayenne. The, the, the peppers stick straight up on the plant and they're very beautiful. Start off green, they turn orange and I kind of like them at the orange stage and then eventually they turn red. Ooh, it sounds beautiful too. So it would just be like almost like a landscaping plant out there too. Yeah, definitely. I dig that. Let's talk about that red Hopi dye amaranth. Um, so now that you is it a dye plant or is it something that I can eat or is it both? All parts of the plant are edible. Depends on the time of year, of course. So yeah, you can eat the baby greens, the stems uh, cook down really nicely until they get tough later in the summer. Uh, you can eat the, the larger leaves. Usually we cook the larger leaves and they come out like spinach. Uh, and then of course you can harvest the seeds for you know, for grain, it's it's not really a grain type of amaranth, so it's not like uh, it's not like the preferred type of amaranth for for using as a grain, but it's definitely edible and can definitely be used for that purpose. And then, yes, it is also a dye plant. Oh man, I bet it makes a beautiful color too. It is. It's gorgeous in the fields. Yeah, some red hopi dye in the field with some sunflowers planted behind it. It's oh, makes a great photo. 
Yeah, that sounds stunning for sure. Okay, now about the melon. Um, This is a green flash melon, I assume, right, from the name? It's called Emerald Gem because before they're ripe, you go out in the field and there's all these green melons there. But the way you tell that they're ripe is they turn orange. But um, the thing is, is that if you don't, these melons, like you'll never see them in a store and probably not even at a farmer's market because once they turn orange, you've got like a day to pick them. So this is like the backyard gardener's, you know, dream of a melon in terms of flavor and texture and everything, but they really don't store very well. So only backyard gardeners and farmers are going to be able to enjoy this melon. Well, who wants to store a melon anyways? I want to pick that thing and eat it right away. You know what I mean? And I love that it turns orange to let me know when it's ripe because a lot of growers struggle with knowing when a melon is ready to pick. So that seems like a nice shortcut for everybody. Definitely. Yeah, we we just love that melon. Mm, that sounds great. Can you give me a tip um, for growing melons? Just one handy tip to help uh, beginner growers grow better melons. I think um, the biggest tip is to start them in containers in a biodegradable container, um, so like a peat pod kind of thing, and then to plant that container right in the ground without disturbing the roots. The other thing you could do is cover it with row cover fabric to keep those cucumber beetles off of it when it's little. Oh, that's excellent. Those are good tips. All right. So now I thought that we should play a fun little game, sort of like a uh, garden dating game type of thing. And we know that you two make excellent partners, but how well do you really know each other in the garden? Erica, we're going to start with you. I got Ask some gardening questions about Mike. I've already seen his answers, um, so I know what he's going to say here. But let's see how well you can answer these questions. What does Mike prefer, spring gardening or fall gardening? Oh, boy, I don't know. <laughs> I'll like spring because you can plant a lot more things than you can plant in the fall. Ooh, Mike also thought it was a tough question. He loves the changing of the seasons towards the warmer weather, but the fall bounty is so spectacular. He says fall gardening. <laughs> Uh-oh. All right, here's the next one. You can redeem yourself. If Mike had to choose and could only grow one of these things, would he grow summer squash? Or would he grow winter squash? He would definitely grow summer squash. This is incredible. Mike says winter squash without a doubt. What? He actually says butternut and delicata are his favorites of the squash um, for sure. Because not only you can harvest the winter squashes in the summer to use as a summer squash and it's multi-purpose, which everybody loves that, right? I'm just thinking he's always like, because I do a lot of the crop planting. He's like, grow, please, grow more zucchini for the for the kitchen. Grow more zucchini for the kitchen. So that's why <laughs> I was thinking of that. Oh, that's awesome. All right. Here's your last chance. This is the last question. <laughs> If Mike is not out working in the garden, so let's say it's his day off, what is his favorite thing to do to unwind? Eat a good, a nice, well-cooked meal that tastes great. <laughs> okay, I'm going to give that one to you because Mike couldn't pick just one thing. So he sent a few <laughs> different answers. Um, he likes to swim, play with Kiwi, uh, your, your dog, um, hiking, cooking and eating, and having friends at the farm. So we're going to give that one to you. So, Erica, you got one out of three. <laughs> I didn't score so well. Yeah, so it's looking like Mike had this one in the bag. Let's see. All right, Mike, are you ready? I got the same thing for you. I got three questions about Erica, and I've already seen all of her answers. So let's see if you can beat one out of three. I'll try. <laughs> so if Erica could only grow one of these things, which would it be? Peppers or tomatoes? Tomatoes. You got it. Tomatoes, definitely. That was her entire answer was tomatoes, definitely. Um, And she kind of already mentioned that here in the interview. She talked about how much she loves tomatoes. Tomatoes. So that one you got, that one you got. All right. (laughs) 
When did Erica grow her very first garden? Oh God. Uh, she was quite young. Uh, I, I assume you mean like, you know, grew it, you know, perhaps with the help of her parents. I'm going to say maybe six, but that's kind of a guess. I don't really know how old she was. Well, what do you think, Erica? That's about right. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was so young. I, I, I uh, was my dad's quote assistant. All right. Here's the last question, Mike. You're doing great so far. Um, you're two for two right now, man. But this, this is, this one might stump you. What is Erica's all-time favorite flower? Alstroemeria. <laughs> I got blanket flower. <laughs> okay, I guess that would have been my second guess. But I'll take my two out of three. Seems like, I, you know, I, I succeeded. Two out of three, Mike. It looks like you're the winner. Uh, I appreciate you guys playing the Garden Dayton game with me. That was a ton of fun. Uh, so folks that want to learn more about nature and nurture seeds and browse your selection of great seeds for the garden, where do they find you online? natureandnurtureseeds.com. Awesome. Erica, Mike, thank you again for being on the show today. That was an absolute blast. Thanks so much. And that's the end of another great show. Thanks again for being here with us. And remember, you can always support the podcast through our Patreon. You can find that link and many more at seedsandweedspodcast.com. Thanks to Erica and Mike of Nature and Nurture Seeds for being on the show today. This episode was edited and produced by all of us here at Small House Farm. The song you're listening to right now is called True Glory by Alex Grohl. I'm Bevan Cohen, and we'll see you next time. Howdy friends, Bevan here. You know, the Seeds and Weeds podcast is made possible in part by Baker Creek Heirloom Seed Company, rareseeds.com. They're America's top source for rare and heirloom varieties from around the world, and they're publisher of the whole seed catalog. Their 2024 catalog is chocked full of heirloom goodness, new varieties, recipes, stories, and gorgeous photographs. You can order yours now at rareseeds.com.